You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. Axe Church Northwest is located in Vancouver, Washington, and we have services meeting each week at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. You can also join us online live at our 11 a.m. service each Sunday. If you'd like to know more about Axe Church Northwest, you can go to axechurchnw.org. Now enjoy the sermon. David came to work at and he had a little band-aid on his chin. <laughs> and I said, what happened, David? He says, I was concentrating on my sermon while shaving, and I cut myself. I said, well, David, next time, concentrate on your shaving and cut the sermon some. <laughs> oh, well. I want to talk to you this morning about what God has called us to do, and that's to be in unity. There used to be a a Christian song we'd sing, we're one in the Spirit, we're one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored. Because God asks us to walk in unity. The story told of this guy who was abandoned on an island He uh, shipwrecked. Nobody knew where he was. He was there for years and years and years, and they finally found him. When they found him, they uh, rescued him, and they saw three buildings at the top of the mountain. They said, "What, what is that? They said, well, the first one is where I built my home. I can see everything that's beautiful. The second one is I built a church that I could worship in. Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful church. What's the third one? Well, that's the church I built after the first one because I didn't like the people in the first one. (laughs) When you have people, you got opinions and you got differences. And yet God says he wants us to walk in unity. Is it? How in the world are we going to walk in unity when, do you know that guy? Do you know that lady? Do you know this? I mean, it's going to be pretty hard to be of the same mind and, and walk together in unity. What's that all about? Well, God says that's his desire. In fact, Jesus prayed in the garden, John chapter 17, I pray that they be one as we are one. Paul writes in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you are called, with all lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Bearing with one another in love. What is God's definition of love? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, read now the New Living, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and keeps no record 
of being wronged. Wow. Just about all those things is tough for me. Patient, not being jealous. We all tend to be proud and we don't even realize it. But God's love says we're patient and kind, not boastful, proud, or rude. We don't demand our own way. (laughs) My way or the highway. It's not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. You know what that person did to me? Let me just tell you what they did. I have every right in the world to be upset with them because they, how long ago was that? Seven years ago. Seven years ago, but it still bothers me that they, it's amazing how easily we can keep a record of being wronged. People have kept records of being wronged for decades. And it divides. There's something about forgetting that's very important. And we forgive because of the forgiveness that we've received. We're only mirroring what God would do in forgiveness. Keeping no record of wrong, being wronged. That's not demanding our own way. You see, we have a problem, and it's personal preferences, you know? It's what we enjoy, what we like. It's our background, our culture, things that we're used to. All those things. That, that seems to be the problem that we face. Psalm 133.1 says this. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. To dwell together in unity. And I find it very interesting that, that we get a very good glimpse into what this unity is supposed to be all about when you take a look at who Jesus called to be his disciples. In Mark chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Bonjiras, which means sons of thunder. Then there's Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot. Very interesting. But there's one there who is given the designation Simon the Zealot. So what in the world was a zealot? Well, in this particular time, zealots were the ones that were on the extreme side against anything having to do with Rome. They absolutely despised 
and hated Rome to the nth degree. And they made it their business to do everything they could to destroy Rome. Even doing acts of terror and, and those kind of things. These were fanatical people against Rome. Fanatical, way out there. So God, so God says, Simon, you're way out there. Come here. I want you to be one of my 12. So who else does he choose? Oh, there's a guy collecting taxes for Rome. He says, Matthew, you're a tax collector. You work for the Romans. Come on in. What's Simon thinking? Are you kidding me? This guy collects taxes for the Roman government? You're going to allow him in with us? You see, they were just like this. Right? Wrong. You couldn't get any further polarization if you had to. You got a zealot and a tax collector. Unbelievable. Now, let's play together nice. Huh. Yeah. But you can't stand anything that comes out of his mouth. You know? Is there anything like that happening in our churches today? Do you think maybe we have people that are polarized? Let's see. I'll, I'll mention two names. Biden-Trump. And Trumpites think that Bidenites are totally out to lunch. And Biden thinks that Trumpites are so deceived and don't understand, have no truth in them whatsoever. Now imagine Jesus calling these two extremists, sit together and play nice. Don't be boastful, don't be proud. Trump! Trump, Trump, Trump. Wear my Trump hat. Impossible, it would seem, that if you have two political opposites that they're going to get along together. Jesus says, Come on, Simon. <laughs> Come on, Matthew. We're going to walk together. What also was in this crowd this group of disciples. You had the sons of Zebedee, sons of thunder, Bonjiris, sons of thunder. Jesus used that designation not by chance, but because he knew exactly who he was calling. He knew exactly who he was putting in there. And he got the people that were intense and probably had an anger problem. They get angered very easily. There are ones that respond quickly and with, you can't do that. You can't handle the truth. The sons of thunder. How do we know this? 
Well, let's look at Luke chapter 9, verses 51 and 54. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered the village of Samaritans to prepare for him. But the Samaritans did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw that they had done that, they immediately responded with, you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? That's what Elijah did. Yeah, that's God's answer, right? Every time somebody does something you don't like, you just, there's no room in the end. Take that. That's a loving God. That's a caring God. But here James and John are. Do they have any idea who you are? They can't treat you like that. Let's just wipe them out. So you got quick on the trigger anger people. You got a zealot. You got a tax collector. You got Peter who talks first and acts second. You got, as you read through the Gospel of John, you'll find out John says this about himself. The disciple that Jesus loved. He writes, about himself, the disciple that Jesus loved. I don't know about you guys, but the one that Jesus really loved was me. (laughs) I'm his favorite. I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. You have any idea how that goes with other people that are in the same group? Who do you think you are, John? I'm the disciple Jesus loved. All these guys had their own personalities. They all had their own ways of doing things. They all had their backgrounds and culture. And Jesus says, forget all that. Forget it. I've called you to a different calling. That's what Paul says when he's walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Walk in unity. To keep the unity. Here's the problem. You may get into a place where you become unified. Then keeping unity is a different thing altogether, right? Well, we finally got that cut taken care of. Now we're all on the same page where we're good, right? And then somebody paints the church. You chose gray. Are you kidding me? I wake up to gray skies most all year long. Yeah, I had to paint the church gray. Gray skies. How could you, why did you paint it gold or yellow? Why did you paint it blue? Why gray? We got black chairs in there. Black chairs in the church. Black chairs in the church. 
Doesn't black represent sin? You got sin chairs in a church. No, black is beautiful. Not to me, it's not. I want blue. Blue. Soothing blue. Well, Terry wants pink. All pink chairs, please. Yeah, pink, pink chairs. Pink chairs. That's really soothing, pink. I think pink stinks. No, I think pink's beautiful. Pretty soon you're going to have those people that are over here and those people over there. And division happens really quickly. There's those who agree, those who disagree, those that don't care, and then all the alternatives. So we're all agreed, right? Yes, we're all agreed. Personal preferences are divisive. Personal preferences are devices. Personal preferences. PP. That's for David's sake. He's always doing this potty humor up here. To knock me off my chair. I, you didn't say that, David. You couldn't have said what you just heard you say. So I'm giving him one. PP. PP gets in the way of wee wee. Okay, we had our humor. <laughs> when we decide to demand our own way, I'm not going to that church. Not until they fill in the blank. Not till they paint it the right color. Not till they do the right music. I'm not going there until that pastor doesn't preach as long. I'm not doing. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that because I, 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 I. My personal preference. Demanding our own way. Proud even rude about it. That's what causes division. Does God know that people have a problem with those things? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very easy. And why do we have so many denominations? We're all supposed to be serving the same Jesus, right? Why are there so many different ways to do it? You have the Baptists, Lutherans, Pentecostals, Nazarenes, you name them, Catholics, Presbyterians. They're the rich ones. They, they pay very good for their pastors, I'm just telling you. <laughs> but it's all based on Scripture. We're what we are because we believe in the Bible. As if nobody else does? What would happen? <laughs> I like to have a little bit of humor. 
Very little. If we were to take how Jesus healed the blind, for instance. And let's, let's start with Matthew 9, 27 through 30. When Jesus departed from here, there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come to the house, the blind men came in, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And my eyes were opened. I was healed. So how do you get healed from blindness? By the touch of the master's hand. That's my experience. I know it's true. It's recorded in the scripture. It's biblical. I'm a touchite. I believe that you need to be touched to be healed. Psalm 133 1 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell in unity. Yeah, let's see. So if everybody will go along with the touch heights, we're okay. But what happened? What happened? What happened was Mark 8, 22 through 25. Then he came to Bethesda and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit in his eyes and put his hand on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up and when he and he was restored and saw clearly so I agree you have to be touched by Jesus because he touched me but you forgot one thing the touch heights forgot one thing you forgot the spit in the eye yes Jesus touched me and I was healed I was blind and I was healed but you forgot to tell them about the spit. Without the spit, you can't have the healing. So don't keep people from the truth. If the right way is, as it's recorded in Scripture, you get spit in the eye. So you can be a touchout. I'm going to be a spitite. I have a more clear way than you. So you have your touchites and your spitites. But God's not done yet. In John 9, 6 and 7. <clears throat> when he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Yes, 
God touches. Yes, he spits, but you forgot the clay. How could you forget the clay? He made mud and put it on my eyes. And then when I went and baptized myself, I came back seeing. You guys don't have the full gospel. You're only telling part. I got the full gospel. I'm waiting for a church. They already have full gospel churches. I'm waiting for one church to say, we're part gospel. <laughs> Don't go to the full gospel. Come to the part gospel. Do they think everybody else doesn't have the full gospel? Let's think about this, folks. What do you say when you say, we're the full gospel? We're the disciple Jesus loved. <laughs> Too bad about you. We would divide so easily. Now, is it all based on Bible? Every one of those is recorded in Scripture. Every one of them is biblical. Every one of them is true. Every one of those people experience what they experience. You can't take their experience away from them. So you have the Mudites, the Spitites, and the Touchites. That's why we have Presbyterians, Baptists, Nazarene. Methodists, Wesleyans, and only the Wesleyans are right. No. <laughs> it's too easy to read the scripture, form an opinion without the whole of scripture. <clears throat> and you find people who agree with you. Have you had the mud experience? Yes. If only you had the mud. If you just had the mud. I just prayed that God would give you mud in the eye. In fact, every time I propose a drink, I say, here's mud in your eye. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> even, even for me, that was bad. You understand how easy it is to form opinions, to gather those together who agree with you, and then you form and you build and you strengthen that wall, a wall of division. You know, I often see how God gives us all these different ways of viewing things. One of those, I think, is marriage. And the two shall become one. So you get two individual people coming together to form a relationship. And I can just tell you this. A marriage without unity is a marriage in trouble. Denise's father had a saying, it's better not to be married than to be married to the wrong person. Because it can be an absolute horrible situation. But that's when you got stars in your eyes and you see that person and they seem so wonderful. You know. (laughs) 
You don't see all the things that are wrong with them. You marry them, and then, not even in the first year, but somewhere, it starts creeping in. He leaves the lid up all the time. She hangs her nylons over on the doorpost. Whatever it is, I don't like that. That's not my personal preference. And unless we learn how to live in unity, which is not demanding our own way, and it's not keeping a, a record of things we've done wrong, that's the 17th time you've done that. You want me to tell you what they, when they were? August 5th. <laughs> it was raining outside. You came in and you... That was the first time. Second time was July 30th. When you, when you keep records of what they've done wrong, you got problems. God says, I remember their sins no more. God does not keep a record of our wrongs. He washes them white as snow. He cleanses us as far as the east is from the west. He can love us because he doesn't recognize all the wrongs we've done. He's forgiven them by his grace. By his grace. And a marriage that works well works well because grace is present. How do we live in unity? We live together in unity by the love of Christ and the grace which he's given us, we give to others. And we don't demand our own way. Now, does that mean I like everything you like? Probably not. Probably not. I don't like country western that whines. I was whining in the saddle when my wife took my trailer. <laughs> my dog died. I'm not really into that kind of stuff. Personally, as a personal preference. If we had those as our hymns, I'd be in trouble. You know? It's not going to be, not my preference. But is it worth dividing over? <coughs> because somebody likes that music, am I going to divide myself over it? No way. No way. I'll pray for them. That was not nice. <laughs> but I'm not going to let it divide. It's amazing what we let divide on personal preference basis. Well, on a hot day, I sure could go for a cold beer. A beer, says the teetotaler. I was raised in a family where alcohol was the devil. 
basically. Several of my family had died of alcoholism. So from the time I was a little child, my mother drilled into me the evils of alcohol. And we were just told, you know, Christians don't drink. Sky is falling. It's about the same truth. Of course Christians drink. Are they still Christian? Yes, they are. So if I found out somebody drank a beer, would I have to divide myself from them? I would hope not. I would hope a beer wouldn't become between us. I think the Lord is greater than that. You fill in the blank, whatever it is. You figure out what bugs you, what bothers you. And are you going to let that divide you? When God says, walk together, Amos says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? We have to learn to be able to agree. doesn't mean we have to believe the same way. But we can agree that we both belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's forgiven us our sins. We can, we can both believe that God is our Father and loves us and cares about us. We can both agree on all things essential and those things that are not essential are not worthy dividing over. Give grace. Give grace. That's how a marriage exists. I've done enough marriage counseling, I can tell you all kinds of things. Pre-marriage counseling, we try to head some of those things off. <laughs> Take something simple. How do you celebrate Christmas? Well, in our family, we celebrated it twice. We celebrated it on Christmas Eve at one set of relatives and Christmas Day with another set of relatives. Never on Christmas morning because we went over during the day. Now when I married Denise, their tradition was you open presents in the morning in your pajamas which I think worked out pretty good for them since they lived in the same house. But I was the first one to marry in their family, and, I, and Denise and I weren't living in their house. Now, I know today it's different. Today you get married, you move in with your parents. That's, <laughs> it's another whole thing. But <laughs> in those days, we didn't do that. So the, Christmas came along. I never thought two things about it. Christmas Day comes, and, and we said we go to Denise's house to celebrate Christmas. Great. Okay, we're getting up early in the morning on Christmas Day. We get up early in the morning? Yeah. And we're going to go over to my parents' house in our pajamas. That's not how we did it when I was growing up. First of all, I don't wake up till about 9. I mean, I'm, I can be awake, but I'm not really awake. But in our pajamas, you know, sometimes in the spring and sometimes in the fall, I jump between the covers with nothing on at all. 
They don't want me going like that. But I felt kind of stupid driving in my pajamas for Christmas. <coughs> I think I only did it once. You have to ask Denise. It's all a blur to me now. It was such a traumatic thing. <laughs> for several weeks afterwards, I was sucking my thumb. <laughs> so which one? The two shall become one. Which one? We got to have this, we got to have that, we got to have this, we got to have that. No, you got to have this, we got to have I want my eggs soft and fluffy. No, hard and firm. <clears throat> I want the window open at night. Let that, no. I want the curtains closed. <laughs> Personal preferences. Do we have them? Look where you're sitting. Well, so everybody's sitting in the spot they want to sit. Some week after week. In fact, that's how David keeps attendance. <laughs> in fact, next week, if you all pick different spots, he won't know where he's at. <laughs> He'll spend half the sermon trying to figure out where they went. <clears throat> Do we have personal prayer? Yes. Does God know that? Yes. Is there anything wrong with that? No. Only if personal preferences override the greater issue of unity. It's when we place our personal preferences above everybody else. That's where it becomes a problem. Learn to give grace. It's okay if people don't believe exactly like you do. It's okay. You have the right to share what you think and believe, but not to their detriment. We want to build together in unity of peace. Let's find out what we agree on. Let's find those things that are important. Let's pay attention to those things that bring unity and not division. Let's major on the majors and forget about the minors. That's how we have unity. That's how we walk together. When we have our eyes on the author and finish of our faith, when we're looking to Jesus instead of our own comforts, our own personal preferences, <clears throat> There's a good way, I think. That is, let me see this world, dear Lord, as though I were looking through your eyes. A world of people who need you and a world for which you died. Let me see this world, dear Lord, through your eyes. And if we did that, we would have grace. You see, according to the law, a woman who was caught in adultery was to be stoned. And according to tradition, the one with the greatest spiritual position was to toss the first stone. So they came 
to Jesus and they threw this woman caught in adultery. According to the law, she's supposed to be stoned. It says in the scripture that Jesus fulfilled all the law. But what he said was, whoever has no sin in their life, you cast the first stone. There's only one who could. Only one person standing there who could cut, toss that stone. That was Jesus. And he didn't do it. What did he do instead? Offered her forgiveness. Because <clears throat> once forgiveness was given, the offense no longer stood. <laughs> once forgiven, she no longer was an adulterer. That had been cleansed and forgotten and did not exist any longer. Now stood a woman forgiven. Didn't need stoning. And what do you say to her? Go and don't do that again. (laughs) But Jesus could have. Give me the biggest stone right there. I'll take care of this. That's not God. God wants to forgive. He doesn't want to have punishment given. He wants love to be given. Is our first thought, let me call down fire from heaven. Cut in front of me again, buddy, you're going to get the wrath of God. See, James and John, the sons of thunder, There'd be a lot of ashes where cars once were if they were in our society. Bring it down! That's not Jesus. Where's the forbearance? Where's the love? Where's the concern? Where's the care? Where's the nurture? Where is the grace? They may not deserve it, but grace is given when there is no deserving. God gave me grace. For the wages of sin is death. How many times could God have condemned me? I don't want to tell you. There's a story told about it. It goes like this. A man died and went to heaven. And he noticed that they had all these clocks. And they were all keeping different time. Some were going very slow, and some were going faster. And he said, St. Peter says, what's the deal with the clocks? He says, that represents every soul on earth. And those ticks are every time that person sins. Really? Well, where's Pastor Dave's? Oh, we got it in the other room. We use it as a fan. (laughs) That's not true, by the way. (laughs) Don't go tell people. You want want to know who a fan is? We all have sinned. We all need mercy. We all need grace. And that's the first thing God offers to us is mercy and grace. Not judgment. And what do we do? Did you see that person? 
Did you hear what that person did? You got to pray for her, man. I'm telling you, she's... I can't believe what she was wearing. I can't believe what she wasn't wearing. (laughs) What is it that we get stuck on instead of the love of Christ? The love of Christ, the love of Jesus. That's what keeps us unified. Keeping our eyes on him. Asking for his love and his grace. Can't do it in yourself. I understand that. But he says he can give us the love for people. The grace that he has for people. And then all of a sudden we find out we like people. (laughs) I, I like people. I actually like them. Sometimes my wife will say, how in the world? I don't know. I guess I think about me, and I think if I was that person, I want to be liked. How about us liking and loving people and then not being a chore? Uh, I'll like you, but I won't like doing it. That's not the way it works. You like me because God loves them. I love you, and God loves you, and that's the way it should be. Because the love of God is made manifest through you. You're the only Jesus some will ever see. You're the only words of life some will ever hear. So let them see in you the love of Christ. We're his ambassadors. We're not asked to give of ourselves. We're asked to give of what he has. And he wants to give it freely. And that will keep us walking together in unity. Thanks again for listening. We hope the Lord blessed you through it. We'd like to invite you to join us on one of our Sunday morning services at either 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Whether you would just like to find out some more info about Axe Church or if you'd like to plug in and take some next steps in your faith, axechurchnw.org is a great place to start. You can also email us at info at There's always more content coming, whether it's on YouTube or on our podcast channel. So be sure to subscribe to both of those to always get the newest content from Axe Church. Until next time, we hope you have a blessed week.